0: Welcome back. My name is Chris. And I'm Steve. And this is Streaming Things. Sons Andy. Sons, where's he been? Where's that boy at? I miss him. Sam's Andy. Andy's out doing things, conquering the world. It's none of their damn business. So I just wanted to mention that he's not here. Yeah, get out be of be here. Awkward. Get We're out here your of here, you nosy neighbor. Get out yeah, of here. Yeah, we can't just dance around it. Just, just tiptoe around the void that was Andy and let everybody lament it in silence. He's not here. He's not coming. Get over it.
1: Is he on a super secret quest that the government had him do because he's a super secret spy? No. We can neither
0: confirm nor deny. I don't think we can deny it either, Stephen. Legally, that's true. We cannot. Anyway, you guys know the drill. We're we're lighthouses. We're beacons. We're curators, and uh, we're here. (laughs) We here for you is the the saying from Succession. So if you're fans of TV and film, you've come to the right place. Damn it, pop culture nerddom. T. Oh, we're drinking that
1: tea. We're not spilling it. We're drinking it today. So it's cold here.
0: Steve's been a long time, uh, not a purveyor because he doesn't sell it, but he's been a long time supporter uh, of the tea bags. And uh, I'm here to say I've joined that cult. Uh, Traditionally, a coffee guy. But over the past month or so, I have found great joy in uh, in some hot water and some matcha. Maybe some blueberry pomegranate green tea. Man, that blueberry pomegranate green sounds so good. I've, I haven't had it. But
1: when you texted me that the other day, I was like, dude, get that in me.
0: Get that, <laughs> get that in, in me. me. <laughs> it is so good. It is so good. A little bit of honey. Actually, I'm not going to lie to you. I don't want to lie to our listeners either. I love them too much. It's, it's an, an exorbitant amount of honey that I put in. <laughs> uh, I layer the entire bottom of the mug and then heap it in the middle. <laughs> oh, really? You put some. You oh. put a little extra in the middle? Just, you know, just lather it all in there. Fill it just a ridiculous amount of honey. Winnie the Pooh would be proud. That's how much honey. Oh bother. I get that. I, <laughs> I was know. waiting for the inevitable Winnie the Pooh attempt. <laughs> I, can't, I can't really do a Steve. good Winnie
1: the Pooh. Think <laughs> think think piglet. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Do you I'm put do you try. put any uh cream in your tea? Or are you uh a...
0: I do not. No. I, I do not drink it uh, the way the British do. That's that's my just method with milk, I believe. Right. Yeah. I'm just that freaks me out. Is it that good? I li- I like it just because, uh,
1: you know, how like in Ted Lasso, when he's drinking tea, he's like, it's dirt water. Uh, I have that natural reaction to just straight tea. So if I put a little cream in it, for whatever reason, it makes it not water to me. And my brain can mm-hmm. stomach that. It's a very weird, you know, kink of my brain. I don't know why it does that. Mm. It's a very weird. You have kink. a lot of weird kinks. Yeah. Everybody knows that everybody. knows. Yeah. There's that the stuff. hole, there's the foot thing. There's, <laughs> just, there's just the cigarette the thing, you know, there's so much of it.
0: <laughs> well, I've missed you all. I'm glad to be back. Uh, fear not. We will have streaming things here in some form for the foreseeable future. And so you can write into streaming things pod at gmail.com at any time to join the conversation. We we'll would be happy to receive and read and reply to your emails there. You can follow us on Twitter at streamthingpod. You can also support the show literally by going to patreon.com slash streaming things. That's patreon.com slash streaming things. You can subscribe at a, a, you know, there's a myriad different tiers, different levels of financial comfort uh, in which to support us. And they all have different rewards and and extra bonus content. We all love the content. And uh, thank you so much to our current Patreon subscribers. Steve, take it away. Thank you, Phil.
1: Thanks, Phil. Thank you, Enza. Enza. Oh, my gosh. Thank you, Cake. Thank you Katie. <laughs> thank you Daniel. Thank you Jimmy. Thank you Sarah. Thank you Elo, as we have decided mm-hmm. to name him. Bequeathed or her? I don't know. It's it's a, yeah, it's it's just a letter e, so. and then Lopez, so it could be a uh, it could be mm-hmm. anything. It could be it could, Eleanor Lopez. It Could be Evan. It could, it could be Evan. <laughs> it's Eric. Eric Lopez. And Evil. also uh, thank you Kyle. Thank you guys so much for being Patreon uh, producers of the show. You can, you know, as Patreon producers, if you are a five dollar above member, you can take part in polls uh, to dictate what our bonus episodes are that only Patreon members get. And at the end of this week, we are going to close the current poll, which is uh, between La La Land, A Night's Tale and Before Sunset.
0: All romantic Night's is 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 head and shoulders above the rest right now is that right?
1: Currently yes, Nighttail is winning. Yes. Followed I, by Lala. La I got one. Uh, hey man, there's still time. There's still time. Last time I checked only 5 people voted there's a uh, 10 of you that can vote, so. There could be a, a lot of there could be some late additions for uh before sunset who knows and then it's
0: andy. just like american democracy if that Those happens people don't even participate
1: i know it's a, it's a shame if that happens though if like right at the last second like a ton of people f- show up and vote for before sunset so that andy keeps his streak alive i will know that he's paying these people for sure like we're not actually making money off patreon because andy's just giving their money right back like vote for my for my
0: Night's tale is not the best film on that list it is it's definitely the most watchable probably the most fun Okay? I'm just going to say that. Okay? I don't know why I got my Trump voice out. Okay. Okay. A Knight's Tale is a tremendous film. Tremendous movie. Heath Ledger, incredible talent. Shannon Sossaman. Most people don't know that name. I know it. I don't know. (laughs) know. I'm not a Trump guy. Happy Heath.
1: He always came to my hotels. Very personable. Always said I was rich. (laughs) He knew it. He knew it. Uh, believe me. Believe me. People are saying that Night's Tale, four out of five, solid movie. <laughs> it's not as good as Home Alone 2, which I was in. <laughs> <laughs> he was. People forget. People forget. I think that movie's more
0: famous now because people are like, oh, yeah, he was in that. Shit. <laughs> Unfor- it's more infamous, maybe. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's probably that's true. Your goddamn classic, though, I'll tell you that. I do, uh, uh, I do want to say that today's episode is uh, kind of in retrospect. We, we, were, we were thinking about what should we talk about, and so we thought a lot about Groundhog's Day, which was February second, uh, which is a few days ago as we record this, and about a week ago when you're when you're listening to this. But it's still on our minds because you know the theme of Groundhog's Day is that it's just kind of every day, right? So, <laughs> so we started thinking about time loop movies based on the uh, 1993, I want to say, film starring Bill Murray. Uh, um, and Andy McDowell? Um, I think I'm spitting straight facts here, even though I'm quite unsure of myself. Um, so that's that started the whole time loop, which has become sort of a genre uh, and, and spawned a lot of really good films. So we wanted to kind of discuss our favorite films of that genre. Did I nail all that, Steve? Those are all facts, correct?
1: Uh, it was 1993.
0: So you're I'm off. off. Huh? No, I said three. Oh, I thought you said four. I was just fucking recorded, bro. Uh, rewind okay. All shit. right, rewind. So we started thinking about time loop movies based on the uh, 1993, 1993, 1993, I want to say film starring Bill Murray. But (laughs) but you were right. It was Andy McDowell. Wow. No cap on God for real. Who was the director? Who Who directed Groundhog's Day? Easy. I don't know. It's Harold Ramis. Was it really? Yeah. Mm -hmm. I didn't know that. I actually called him Harold Ramey my entire life until I was 33. <laughs> you was fucking idiot! <laughs> I thought it was a silent S.
1: <laughs> I thought him and Sam were we're brothers. I do think we should note before we get super far is that we are recording this episode remotely. Uh, we so, are. So if you so do hear happy. a little bit of an audio difference between Chris and I, mm-hmm. we are, mm-hmm. you know, we are uh, in Northern Kentucky, basically Cincinnati, Ohio. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's and, the pimple uh, on the ass of Cincinnati. Yes, that's uh, very true. Um, but we there's a snowstorm so a lot of you know it's not the greatest snowstorm that's happened in the history of mm. snowstorms but in this area no. if it snows more than three inches things get shut down so like my street's not even plowed there's like a two to three inch
0: layer of ice so my car's not going anywhere until it melts yeah it wasn't just the snow there was like a solid six hours of ice rain yeah right before the snow did you go outside during the ice rain steve i did i had plenty of adventures if you that look at my
1: Twitter, you can, I can you can see my Kafka esque writings about my adventures in. Covington. I did see
0: one of those. Yeah, with the Bud Light guy. <laughs> yeah, that's actually that a was, true story. That was beautiful. It was. You want to tell the story to our listeners in case they don't follow you on the Twitter. That's Steve May thirteen, by the way.
1: Uh, well, I, you put me on the spot because I feel like I should read it more than actually. S-
0: describe you did phrase what it happened. especially well in the tweet, so I, I can understand <laughs> your pull, hesitance. I pulled to it to try now. extemporaneous prose. All right, here it is. A dark, cold
1: walk through the blizzardy streets of Covington. A man runs by, masterfully avoiding the ice and snowdrifts. Where is he off to? The Circle K. What must he need during these dark times? The answer is a 12-pack of Bud Light. The man no longer runs, but walks, fulfilled. And it's mm. 100% true. Like I literally was walking around, and this guy's like doing that awkward like. I thought he was jogging, like he's like, I gotta get my jog in. It's night time and the snow's not stopping me, because he's
0: doing that awkward like <laughs>
1: yeah. runners form. Kind
0: of, you you're still walking faster than him.
1: Yeah, <laughs> but he but he's but he runs. But he's past, running right right. And he beats me to the circle cake because I was going there to to get some just a beverage because it's a block down my street. And <laughs> I see him like come back out with this twelve pack of Bud Light, but now he's like got this like. Gangster walk going on with his Bud Lights so was two very different walks going to and from the Circle K. It was quite a great example of people watching.
0: Yeah, he reached his goal, man. That's actually a beautiful story about hope and 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 intent and promise.
1: What is contentment if not a twelve pack of Bud Light? It
0: lifted me up. It'll no, I, I went outside because my my beagle refused to come in at one point. And I, again, for those that don't know, I have a completely shaved head like uh, Dave Batista or Mr. Clean, uh, The Rock, Dwayne, The Rock Johnson. Just want to give you those reference points for you're, how I look. You're just like Dwayne, The Rock Johnson. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> it's about drive. It's about power. Um, they stay hungry. We devour. Anyway, uh, so it was like a thousand tiny needles just stabbing my head, like a, to infinitesimal creatures of malintent and tiny <laughs> knives just falling from the sky. And I had to run back inside. I was Shit. like, Dobby. Damn you. So Dobby likes being out in the snow. Dobby just doesn't care about anything. He's uh, I don't know that he likes it, but he definitely doesn't hate it. Okay, he just likes being outside. My dog. Jackson, the other hand, not a fan. He's just uh, didn't even he pooped in the basement because he's not a fan of the snow. So you say, you know what? I'm good. I I got a better spot. Much warmer for a good poop. It's heated down there. There's carpet, man you guys know
1: we could do this down here this is wild. <laughs> did you guys know we could shit down here
0: this whole Tell time <laughs> Tell the Dobby cats have been doing here. it that's where their litter boxes are so at least he did it in that area where it already smells like shit any hosel moving right along let's get to our crossing stream segment huh <laughs> Crossing Streams is a segment where each week we delve into the TV shows and films that we've been watching since last we met. Maybe we could spark your interest, help you discover something you didn't know existed, or maybe, just maybe, we found your old favorite. That's Crossing Streams, brought to you by Home Depot. There's so many possibilities. Not really brought to you by Home Depot. I don't want to get in trouble or if that's even possible, so just yeah, no I know. We don't want to be... Neither them nor Lowe's Home Improvement have reached out, but we are open to that possibility.
1: Be the weirdest podcast like, hey, we're talking about movies and TV shows, but we're sponsored by hardware. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, I, I, I kind of get the reference and I'm, I'm not pitching them right now. Super hard. But CEO of Home Depot, if you're listening, a lot of people listen to podcasts while they do things around the house. That's true. So I do this that. could be the perfect time.
1: Thank you all I for listening you. to this uh, Lowe's sponsored episode of, of Streaming Things, where we discuss lawnmower man. Lawnmower man, get your own lawnmower at Lowe's for a cheap, cheap price. All the best films starring Rob Lowe. <laughs> <laughs> How about that one? That's got to be a Lowe's sponsored podcast.
0: <laughs> that would be a good one, but it does See? not.
1: It does not feature Rob Lowe. He's not on it. He's he, <laughs> t- he can do his no. community podcast or his uh, uh, Parks and Rec podcast. He can. But this,
0: one, this one's ours. <laughs> that would literally be the best podcast ever. Literally, it would. <laughs> so, I've been streaming some things. Steve, have you? I have. Lay it on me. What you been up to, buddy? Uh, Well, the first thing that I streamed, uh, as you guys know,
1: I'm a big fan of Brooklyn Nine-Nine. And mm. this year, saw their final season. And I finally got around to watching the final season of brooklyn 99 it's i think it was the seventh season so it's been a long it's been on for a long long time and they had a shorter season this year i think the pandemic definitely affected it possibly it's only i think six episodes long um but it was uh it was really really good um it was much more uh real than most of the other episodes because you know it's a zany sitcom about police officers being weird and zany right um, and it's still that in the season, definitely. But because of, you know, when they were making this season was definitely during COVID, during the George Floyd stuff. Uh, right. You know, a lot of distrust in the police. So, of course, they had to uh, sort of address that. And I think they do it very well. They 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 definitely understand. Like one of the characters actually quits the force because she doesn't actually she's like, I can't be associated with this. This is not what I believe. This is not why I became a cop. And they do it in a way that's like uh, really engaging. It's respectful and uh, but still manages to like create comedy out of the situation, which I think is a very, very fine line that they walk and they walk it very, very successfully. Um, and then the, the the final the final episode is exactly what you would want from an episode like that, where it brings back a lot of the popular side characters and uh the one of the big yearly themes of the show is the Halloween heist so they have one last heist and it's really really fun and I just had a great time watching that uh were you the one that watched that show Chris or was that Andy Andy is a big
0: fan of Brooklyn 99.
1: oh it's so good you got if you want a good just like low stakes fun but really really clever comedy like with like when SNL skits are at their Zenith you know uh watch Ooh, Brooklyn Nine. good zenith. drop of the Z
0: words thanks
1: Betty. Uh, the other thing I watched, oh, and you can watch, You can stream Brooklyn 9 on, on Hulu uh, if you're looking for that. Um, the other thing I watched uh, came out in 2020. It is Nora from Queens. Chris, have you seen Nora from Queens? I have not. Nora, I heard of it.
0: That's oh. not a clever way to say Nora.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I like it, though. I like it, though. You would love this show, Chris. Um, it is a half-hour-long comedy. Uh, originally was on um comedy central there are two seasons of it now um, you can stream it on hBO Max and it stars aquafina as Nora from queens the titular Nora um, and basically it's about aquafina who lives with her dad and grandmother she's like a 27 year old woman who doesn't really have her life together her father also kind of doesn't have his, his life together but that's because his Uh, His wife, her mom, passed away at some point, so he's still dealing with that. And then they live with their crazy grandmother, who's, like, this adorable old woman who's also, like, super badass and hilarious, and I love her. Uh, She is my spirit animal. Um, Like, there's one episode where she just walks into Aquafina's room, and her hair is, like, shorter than mine. It's just this old old Asian woman with really, really short hair. And is like, oh, great haircut, grandma. She's like, thank you. I told the hairdresser to make me look like Eminem. <laughs> it's just like <laughs> shit like that. Uh, but it, but, it, but it's, it's, really, it's really fun, like stoner comedy humor mixed with like the millennial, I don't know what I'm doing with my life, everything sucks humor. But then they inject this like really, every now and then it'll sneak up on you. They'll inject this really emotionally heartfelt, episode or scene that makes you want to just fucking cry and just like you're just so happy that these people have each other even though none of them seem to really have their life quote-unquote in order they're all kind of a mess but the fact that they have each other makes you happy like all at least they're a family and they're like they actually care about each other um aquafina's dad is played by bd wong um i think most people would probably know him from jurassic world or jurassic park fame yeah um but he's phenomenal in this movie. I, I know some people were kind of criticizing his acting in Jurassic world specifically, but he's so good in this movie. Like he's, he's great at playing this dad. Who's kind of like annoyed at his own life situation. He's annoyed at his daughter for kind of following in his footsteps, but at the same time, like he's trying and you just want to hug him. Cause you can just see the sadness in him. Uh, but yeah, Anora from Queens is great. I highly, highly recommend it. Um, Last uh or the, so we've been snowed in, obviously, and I kind of burned through the two seasons within like a day because I was just stuck at home and I was like, oh Nora from Queens, sweet. Boop. Oh, it's over. ah, I want more. Uh so hopefully they make a season three because I would really, really love to see Nora from Queens continue. Uh yeah, I gotta check
0: that out. It sounds like something I would love.
1: I love Aquafina. She's so great. She makes yeah, me laugh so she's much. She's so charming. Like she's so great at like playing this character that's schlubby. Like that's the only way I can describe most of the characters she plays, but it's so endearing and I I love her. Uh and the other the other things I've been watching I think are things that we've uh, brought up before on the show and I think we both have thoughts on it.
0: Uh Chris, do you want to take over? We're we talking here? about The Book of Boba Fett? The Book of Boba Fett? The Book of Boba Fett? Yeah. The Book of, Book of Boba Fett. It's just it's such a joy to say. It's honestly more fun to say than it is to watch. The <laughs> Book of Boba Fett. Uh, no, I mean, I think you know, you're the you're the resident Star Wars uh, fan here as far as like, you know, of course, I'm a fan of the franchise, but I would never identify as such. Like, I don't see any special kinship betwixt myself and other Star Wars fans. But so I don't know how much weight my opinion carries. But I do think that um, the show has gotten stronger each week since it debuted ish. Like the first episode one was was fine. It was cool. Um but then it's like two and three, just sharp decline. And then it got better and better and better. And uh, last week was was awesome. And it's funny to me that it has gotten so much better now that Boba Fett is hardly in it. Um, <laughs> and so and it's interesting. It's like I can imagine them seeing how things were going and just shooting the show this way from the fans reactions. But obviously that's not how it happened. They, they wrapped shooting a year ago or whatever, but it it just almost seemed like they were like, Oh fuck, we need, we need Den, you know what I mean? Where's he at? We need this, uh, uh Mandalorian three is what this has got to become because this is going badly. Um, so, and it's interesting that it sort of doesn't matter what the show's called. It's just going to be seemingly random ancillary star Wars shit. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. this started off like the the story of Boba Fett and now it's sort of like Mandalorian Mandalorian season three. Um,
1: I've heard it, people say that the show should be called like the
0: tales of Tatooine because that makes so much more sense. For sure. If yeah. it was some kind of like Tatooine anthology. Well, that wouldn't make sense either. Because doesn't Den go off world? I don't want I'm trying not to spoil. Um, sure.
1: But then he comes back.
0: He's not, be coming back. You know, they, yeah. he,
1: it's Tatooine. You know, it's the, it's the planet f- from the farthest f- point of the center of the universe. But, uh, every, <laughs> but apparently the universe still revolves around it somehow.
0: <laughs> yeah. This is like, uh, the, the star Wars version of Mike's house. Uh, <laughs> it's streaming things. Mike's house. <laughs> yeah. We used to always say it was the center of everything right next to everything. Uh, but I, I love this episode. I, you know, I, I, I have thoughts. I don't know how much we want to spoil, but, uh, I thought it was was great, and I actually kind of saw it through, because I'm really good friends with two huge Star Wars fans. You're one of them, and then Brad, my other buddy, who's uh, a toxic Star Wars fan, and I just texted him, and he hadn't <laughs> seen it yet, and I was like, he's like, don't spoil it, and I was like, dude, you're you're gonna shit yourself. You know, that's all I could say, and he was like, great. <laughs> <laughs> Did he in fact so, um, shit himself? I, I, I'd assume so. He, you know, he thumbs up to later, so uh, <laughs> we actually haven't spoken a whole lot about it since, but Yeah, I was just kind of watching it like, wow, if I if I gave a little bit more of a shit, this would be phenomenal. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just personally so over the Skywalker saga, but I did read some interesting stuff. I kind of want to get your thoughts on. Sure. Um, Because I I wonder, I think it all depends on how you see it, because I actually thought to myself, Brad's going to love this. because they're kind of. Be- I'm doing? Before we go too far, should I just, just to be safe, should
1: I play the spoiler bumper and we're gonna, we'll have timestamps in the sh- in the show notes if you want to skip ahead yeah, just do in that. case. Let's, all right, spoiler bumper, here's I'm your warning. Spoilers. But look at the show notes for if you want to skip to where we come back. <laughs> you are entering spoiler territory. You're bullshit. All right, you've been warned. We're going to spoil shit from
0: Book of Boba Fett. So what is this? Book of Boba Fett episode six? Uh, I think it's yeah six right yeah anyway we get an extended scene of the luke skywalker variety right Uh, multiple scenes rather is the biggest spoiler i would say and so when i was watching it i was kind of like brad's gonna love this because he fucking hates last jedi because he's dumb right then (laughs) but i was reading all these articles online and they were like uh all these really smart people like "Oh, i love how much uh this episode validates and buys into the last jedi uh, and, and I thought that, what is your take on all that?
1: Oh, I think, I think that's, it's, uh, Dave Floney and John Favreau and crew are really working within the, 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 they know what the story is going to be and they're not going to change it. I don't think. Then I don't think they nor Disney are going to do what a bunch of dumbasses want to do, which is like eliminate the sequels from canon. So they're going to work within the parameters and get to where Luke is in The Last Jedi. And it does make sense. You know, at first when I was watching the episode, because the episode ends with Luke Skywalker giving Grogu a choice like, hey, you can. Uh, you know, you can take this uh, Mithril vest that uh, Din Djarin made for you and, and you know... A kingly gift. A kingly gift. And go back with the Mandalorian, or you can take Yoda's lightsaber and continue your Jedi training. And my first gut reaction of that was like, wait a minute, no. Like, why would Luke do that? The, the, the you know, that was what... The whole, like, detachment from people was what led to the downfall of the Jedi Order in the prequels. But the more I thought about it, Cause that was a, like a very like, why would you do that? That's not what Luke would do that. Like he, he, he spat in the face of that when he, you know, reached out to his father and knew that there was good in him and turned Darth Vader good again. But the more I thought about it, the more like Luke never had like the only Jedi masters he had were Yoda and Obi-Wan who would have told him that. And then I assume when he meets Ahsoka, she would have also like brought her experience to it all. And she might've been like, Hey, I know your dad and his attachments, what's led him to go evil. So maybe he's like kind of overcorrecting because he's, he's, he, you know, that fake it till you make it saying, I think that's what Luke's doing currently in the current canon is like, because he's the only, he doesn't know what he's fucking doing. He's like, well, let me go find these sacred Jedi texts. And that's how I'll be a Jedi master. Yeah,
0: you know, I'm just going to be a Jedi master. And then mm-hmm. he doesn't really, I read a book on it.
1: Yeah. And he doesn't realize the error of his ways until the last Jedi, when they started the whole gray Jedi storyline with Ray and then promptly abandoned it in rise of Skywalker. Jedi mastering for dummies. Exactly. I mean, it was. that's what that yellow book was in the background with that like, black and white drawn guy who's like, eh?
0: <laughs> Yeah, yeah. See, I didn't take it again. It's uh, from an it's almost an outsider perspective looking in. I, I I thought that was a dick move, but uh, I didn't read any of that into it. I was just kind of c- curious. And I feel like canonically Grogu has to choose the, the chain mail, right? Because we don't see him just as an easy written way to explain why he's not present mm-hmm. for any of the later stuff that we've already seen unless you want to say that Kylo killed Grogu or something i mean they could easily write in like he hopped away and got away or whatever but
1: well they're kind of getting into some murky waters because i think canonic- canonically kylo ren is supposed to be luke's first official student cuz that's in a in a canon comic book
0: um so, yeah. maybe- so maybe then he has to choose the the shirt yeah because technically he's going kind to of be he, a half-trained It's like, yeah, I, tra-
1: I trained Grogu for, like, a couple of weeks, but he never didn't signed count. the, you know, the form to the waiver. Right. So it doesn't count.
0: Legally, he, he's, ne- he wasn't my student. <laughs> he never signed the ROI. The place wasn't even built yet. We were just kind of <laughs> hopping around on uh, on logs. I thought that was really fun. I started laughing in, in like, a, in a teary-eyed way because it was cool to see. But when he hops on uh, Luke's back, just like Yoda did uh, <laughs> in Empire. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I do want to point out just
1: how much better the Luke Skywalker looks this time around than when uh, in the season finale of season two of Mandalorian, that really bad deep fake that of Luke they did.
0: I mean, they're both sort of uncanny valley. Neither of them really bothered me. I don't know why they don't just recast him. I, I, don't, I don't either. I don't I would, understand that.
1: I would much prefer they cast Sebastian Stan
0: as. Yes, let's let's get Sebastian Stan in there and and just be done with it. Yeah,
1: because it's one of those things that like people are going to freak out about it the first time they see it, but then by episode two they'd be like,
0: "Oh, okay, I'm used to this," you know. Well, yeah, it's, I mean, they they recast Will Smith's mom and Fresh Prince. I mean, after that, we can do anything. <laughs> yeah, anything's possible. Which worse I mean, is was... the did you did you see the
1: um, the news about how they're doing Luke's vocal performance in the mm-hmm. show? No. So I'm a little hazy on the details, but essentially it's an algorithm. It's like they have this computer that essentially does the same type of thing that a deep fake does where you just give it a bunch of samples of Mark Hamill's voice from the 70s. And then you just have, I assume, Mark Hamill or someone else like say the line like, hey, R2D2, get me this. And then the algorithm like reads how that person's saying it and spits it out in the old Mark Hamill voice. That's why his cool. voice in the episode sounds so much like a robot
0: right because he looks great he doesn't sound great because he's still like i don't know what to do well that's funny because that's exactly that's more akin to his 1970s acting performance uh terrible and robotic
1: (laughs) (laughs) i would say that i think mark hamill was actually a much better actor (laughs) like his vocal performance was more dynamic in the original trilogy maybe in return of the jedi which is what they're going for because in return of the jedi he was very much like i'm a jedi now Look how cool I am. I have learned things. I let let me force choke this pig man, Uh,
0: (laughs) (laughs) which is another one of Steve's kinks. Force choke me, daddy. That's a callback. Call me. Gamorian. I'm having a blast. I mean, I I think it's a, it's a cool development. I, I I didn't see, uh, it's probably clone wars, right? So the, the cad Bane reveal was a nothing sauce meal to me. Uh, And I was actually pretty disappointed when he lifted up his hat and I was like, that looks pretty terrible. And, i that's think scary at all
1: like i think they did a good because it's a practical effect i think for the most part that's what i heard yeah it's very like commendable and i think it, it you know i think it's fine for what it is it's not what cad bane looked like in the uh the tv series like someone did a, a another deep fake comparison online where like this is what he should have looked like and they like made him more blue i saw that and,
0: they like elongated the the jaw and did stuff, that look and... better
1: to you as someone who never saw clone wars
0: I mean, no, I just think the (laughs) character design in general works because it's animated Mm -hmm. and they could have done. Like, again, like you said, it's bold and brave, but they could have done like a much more humanoid version that would kind of make sense. You know, if you were going to shoot the Incredibles live action, right, you wouldn't.
1: Well, that alien that alien species exists already in Star Wars. Oh, Um, it does. He's he's supposed to be an alien species called a Duro's. Oh, and yeah, classic um, duros. You see them in a new hope. They're like the, they they're blue. They have those big red eyes. Um, they they're kind of like offshoots of the Nemoidians, which are like Newt Gunray, the Trade Federation guys. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's kind of
0: what it. Yeah, that, that's what it looks like.
1: But you know, I was just happy that they still had the voice actor. That he, I mean, I love. Cat Bane was one of the best characters to come out of Clone Wars, so it's good that he's still around, even though that character's got to be like 80 years old canon-wise. Uh, <laughs> I don't know how long Duro's live, but they're playing fast and loose with some of these actors' ages. Like, Boba Fett's supposed to be, I think, 41 in the yeah. in the show, and but Fennec Shand is supposed to be 70-something <laughs> canon-wise. Really? <laughs> yeah, she's much older than Boba Fett.
0: Well, I we found out that she's part robot so i guess that's fine that's
1: true if i ever get like some rumblies in my tumblies i'm just going to go to a mod shop and have some dude with dreadlocks you know put a fucking piston in there you know get that all sorted out
0: rumblies in your tumblies that's the only thing you can do
1: yeah that's what the doctor ordered but yeah book boba fett i uh the last uh episode uh, the final episode is next week so i'm excited to see how they tied it together because i'm not quite sure how, how so the, the
0: finales next week.
1: Yeah. finale's next week. So I'm not sure how they're going to tie all this stuff together, you know, for a show about the book of Boba Fett, he's not even in the penultimate episode other than just like looking over like, huh?
0: huh? Ultimately, I do <laughs> want to say this and I know, I don't even know how much our listeners care about the book of Boba Fett or star Wars in general, but um, I do think the show is, is an epic failure, right? Because it doesn't make you give any shits about Boba Fett. It doesn't explain anything we ever needed or wanted to know. And ultimately the show's saving grace is when it returns to, and I don't care at all about this battle with the pikes or what's going to happen. Right. Mm -hmm. And so essentially, you know, the only strength of the show is when it returns to, 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 and, and Grogu and what's, what's developing there. Yeah. So they've added nothing, right? So the whole experiment of doing anything outside of a Mandalorian season three was complete waste in my opinion. But, there have been some fun moments and I'm, I'm not like upset that I watched it or anything.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's a shame cause they could have done a lot cause there is a lot of character development to mine in the Boba Fett, uh, before Disney bought, um, before Disney bought star Wars, Boba Fett was an incredibly interesting character in the, in the books. Like I, mm-hmm. cause I read all the star Wars books pretty much for the longest time. And then when Dis- Disney did the reset, I haven't watched, I haven't read any of the new books, so I don't know anything about the new canon, but like Boba Fett was this very shrewd, You know, business guy. He was the he was the epitome of like it's not personal, it's this business. Like he was like super into stocks. Like he was like he was a to the moon guy. Like there literally was a book where he's sitting in the slave one watching the stock trade. He's like, I'm gonna lose a lot of money if I don't do this. All right, I save that. I'm gonna invest in Dogecoin now. It's
0: but like bought so much Facebook stock.
1: There was like he he got like infected with this like nanovirus where if he returned to Mandalore, he would die. So he like physically couldn't go back to that planet. And but people were trying to make him the leader of Mandalorians. And it was just like a really neat and he had a daughter that he was estranged from. And that was a really, really good storyline. And his best friend that would was be cool. His best friend uh, was I think his best friend's name was strange enough. Beskar or Beskin or something like that. Uh, But his best friend was like this older Mandalorian who was like the first gay character in like narrative Star Wars. And like Boba Fett's just hanging out with his gay best friend and his husband. And it's like, (laughs) that's such
0: a cool character. I would love that show. Like the Will and Grace, but Boba Fett style. (laughs) Right. It's just Tamora Morrison like, what are you guys doing today?
1: No, I won't let you paint my nails. Go away from me.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And I love the idea of him having an estranged daughter. I think that would be a really interesting storyline. So, Yeah. yeah, I mean, ultimately a big a big a swing and a miss but you know not without some merits um Price that's book of boba fett you've been streaming anything else peacemaker continues to be good um peacemaker ex- continues to slap uh some
1: major ramifications on this week's episode but uh we'll wax more poetically about peacemaker when that actually
0: wraps up but it's yeah, still it wraps great up. we could spend some 20 minutes or so on it i think it's worth it yeah for sure what about you my um, friend what you've been streaming yeah, I've been streaming some stuff. I My movie maker has been long broke, but I, I finally cracked back into that. So I don't know if it's because of some too much focus on TikTok, because uh, I've been making a ton of content on there and and to, to varying success, or maybe it's that I've gotten back into my writing, or maybe I just watched too many movies uh, in, in December, cramming for the end of the year stuff. And I don't know, but I've been like, I think I've watched seven or eight movies this year, which is really low for me. It's typically about 25 a month. So it's lower than me. I just Every time I go to watch a movie, I'm like me and I, but I've been watching a lot of shows and maybe that's part of it too. But anyway, all that is to say, um, I did watch the French dispatch. Finally, you, you, you watched that a while ago, right, Steve? Oh uh, yeah. Like a month ago. Yeah. I it, I can't remember if it was on your top 10 or not. It was, I loved it. you loved it. Good. Yeah. Me too. I, loved I actually it. have heard mostly negative things about this movie mm-hmm. and which is why it took me so long to watch it because I was ready to pay the 1999 to to rent the some (laughs) bitch back in the day, and then I started. I'm going to go down Apple
1: TV Plus, open up my app, and I'm going to watch the French Dispatch. Give me
0: a hell yeah! (laughs) Give me a hell yeah! I'm going to slap that some (laughs) bitch (laughs) sideways. Turn Timothée Chalamet straight up your ass. I uh, yeah, I, I adore that movie. I mean, obviously, it's got the Wes Anderson. Isms all over it. I don't know which, I, which I always love. I think it's funny people mock him for that. We've talked about it a bunch, and it just it just grinds my gears because mm-hmm. you know when you're growing up they tell you if you're an artist find your voice, find your voice, Christopher. Just you know do find your voice, separate you know, yourself from the crowd, and like you don't even know what that means when you're 14. You're like I just want to be an author, and they're like yeah, you gonna find your voice. Uh, I like your story, but there's no voice. <laughs> you know whatever, right? And then like somebody like Wes Anderson finds their voice. And so they tell all their stories in that timbre. And then after four or five, you're like, do something else. You fucking nerd, you know, uh, you hack. And it's just (laughs) ridiculous to me. So anyway, that's the thing that he does. No one says that to Roland Emmerich. (laughs) And it's beautiful. And some of the stories in that movie are stronger than others, obviously. Um, My personal favorite, I think which I wouldn't have expected. What, for, let me hear what yours is first. What was your favorite story in that movie? I know it's been a while for you, but...
1: Uh, it's probably... as Javier Bardem is the prisoner,
0: the artist, right? No, that's Benicio Del Toro. Benicio
1: Del Toro, sorry. Uh, probably that one.
0: That's my favorite too, and yeah. I thought that was a weird choice. Maybe it's not. Yeah, um, him and, and Leia Sadu, I think that story was fucking awesome and engrossing, mm-hmm. um, really quirky. And the movie, I think, has a lot to say about... Uh, like kind of coy allusions to what it's like to be an artist in general. Um, and that, you know, from the actual frame storyline of the the publication and how all those writers interact with one another, it's just really cutesy art stuff, making kind of Wes Anderson's kind of mocking, you know, himself and, and us as a people. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, there's a reverence to, to creation, creation and creativity, I think as well. And I just, Hook, line, and sinker yeah. got me. on. A, like, my favorite line, I'm going to butcher it. I don't remember it exactly, but it's repeated throughout. But it actually made me cry when he said it at the end. He said, uh, Bill Murray looks at him, and he says, whatever you do, just make it look like you meant to do it that way. And <laughs> yeah. it's played like a joke the first two times he says it. But then that third time, I'd like it, it hit me in a different way. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, just be confident, man. I just fucking... And because it's Bill Murray, partially, probably. But I was like, oh, and so that's when yeah. I knew I was in. And I was like, I think I love this movie. Dude, I, uh, I that was my number
1: two movie last year. I, I ranked it up real high. I, I love it so much because, I mean, and you mentioned before, people make fun of uh, uh, of Wes Anderson for his style. But like you cannot tell me that that movie would be better if he made it in a more traditional manner. Like, if he didn't put his zest and his quirk and his eye for composition uh into that like that movie would be far worse um it's there's just such a visual style to it and like you said it speaks to the creation of art and you know what it what it means and i love how there's this uh there's this, also this narrative of like bill murray's character doesn't he doesn't he like is always sticking up for his writers like no we'll we'll go long fuck it like that's that's their art that's what they yeah let them write it like i love that stuff um and even like and all the story i i'm i was a huge fan of owen wilson's story but like that one's also the shortest it's literally like two minutes long
0: yeah it's super short
1: um but i love jeffrey wright's story was really really funny um jeffrey
0: wright was probably my favorite character um just his his, the way he delivers lines in general is always like that but it works so well with with uh wes anderson's cadence and um he does
1: this part uh what because he's being interviewed by leif schreiber uh, mm-hmm. And the TV station as he's recounting the story and he's like, oh, hold on real, real, real quick, let me let me put a bookmark in my story.
0: And he literally just pauses for a second. Dog, <laughs> yeah. Let me dog ear my mental page. <laughs> me my mental page. <laughs> what was your question now? I don't and know. <laughs> when he comes, this is such a small detail, but when he comes back, Lee Schreiber asks, do you remember where you were? And, he'd, and he kind of chuckles like, of course. Meanwhile, and then he says it again. Meanwhile. And so it took me a second that what he was saying was, yeah, I was on meanwhile. And then he had to say it. It's just dumb. I don't even know if anyone understands what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, right I know now. what but you're saying. That tiny note, because that's not how I would have done it. I would have mm-hmm. said yes and then had him start. But he went, yeah, meanwhile, meanwhile, and then <laughs> it's just and I chuckled and I was like, this is awesome. The only time he almost lost me was when he went in the extended um, animated car chase scene. <laughs> Um, that car chase scene has actually like i laughed out loud at one point because <laughs> probably when the wrestler jumps back out of the window back onto the car and oh that was off funny again
1: no there's a part where like the it, the animation goes full uh family guy where there's a part where they like park the car the characters run out and they go through this like really elaborate you know Basically, it's an elaborate circle where they like go through like all these different yeah. frames of environments only to go right back to the car and go and pick up where they ended up.
0: Yeah, they could have <laughs> just kept driving. And it would have been the same.
1: I was yeah. just I sort of laughed. I'm like, you fucking asshole. That's so funny. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, uh, but that's the French Dispatch. I, I finally caught up to it. I know I'm late to the party, but I really enjoyed it. Um, and then a bunch of shows as oh, no, I did watch one other movie. It's called The Fallout. Uh, have you heard about this film? I don't think I have. Um, it's the writing and directorial debut of the, de- the director. I don't remember her name, uh, which is really dumb, but I should have done my research, but I'm a fucking professional. Uh but it stars. I got you, uh, pardon. I got you. I'm looking it up. Oh, okay, cool. It does star, uh, Jenna Ortega. Um, and this is a tough movie.
1: Megan park is the director.
0: Megan park. That's right. She also so, the writer. Yeah. Writing and directorial debut for her f- first feature film. So this is a, uh, I'm hesitant to say that it is for like a Gen Z audience because that sounds derogatory, but I don't mean it that way. I think it is purposefully for a younger audience, even though it is really mature subject matter uh, because they are the generation that has had to deal with things like this their entire lives. Um, And so the, the movie is about um, a school shooting is the inciting incident of it. Right. And then the movie is about the fallout of that, you know, the, how the kids, um, are adjusting to life and, and coping in different ways after that. It, there's a surprising amount of levity in the film like there's it's pretty heartwarming. there's some good laughs in it um, but it's also for obvious reasons really shocking too. Um, but the movie's mostly about Jenna Ortega's character Veda. she kind of trauma bonds to a friend named Mia and they're from different cast systems in the school right like there's the Instagram model like a future sorority person. And then there's Jenna Ortega, who's kind of like, you know, tomboyish, not quite a loner, but has a small group of friends, knows who Mia is, but doesn't really truck with her. But they happen to both be stuck in the bathroom when the shooting happens and they hide in the stall together. And so they're trauma bonded and they become like best friends after that to the, uh, you know, confusion of everyone else in their lives that her her old friends, her parents, things like that. But I don't know. I I thought the movie was engrossing. The That scene in the beginning with the actual incident was was terrifying because the camera never leaves them in the cubicle, like the, the bathroom stall. Mm-hmm. And you can just hear the audio of all the carnage outside. And it just destroyed me because, you know, my son's eight. He's in elementary school. Like the shit happens way too often. I mean, I think we're in the triple digits of school shootings now um and it's just something that that kids today have to to deal with uh unfortunately in America and so with that lens i was watching it like this is fucking bizarre how how common that is right mm, like it's yeah. just it should be this one off crazy incident that we have documentaries about but it has become like a zeitgeist and that is bizarre yeah um And the movie even though it's somewhat uplifting actually ends on a really depressing note and i give it credit for that because it was honest um and i'm not going to spoil the ending obviously but you all know the ending because we live in this world and it's, it's not something that's going away um so anyway that's that's the fallout you can actually stream it on hbo max if you're a subscriber uh with for no additional v so i would recommend that you do that um just be be wary of what you're getting yourself into Okay. So then the rest are some shows. I, I watched the after party a lot. I'd love the show. Have you heard about it, Steve? No, I have not. It's on Apple. So I've got two shows. I know you're going to be obsessed with and then a third that you, you might like. So the after parties one, it is uh Phil Lord and Chris Miller. It is available. Exactly. It's available on Hulu. Uh, it stars uh, Tiffany Haddish, Sam Richardson, um, Dave Franco. I in. um, I'm missing a bunch of good ones, but this show is amazing. It's a, it's a whodunit murder mystery. Like if you ever played the game werewolf, that's a, essentially what it's kind of like, like oh, hell yeah. s- somebody stuck in this house, you know, kind of an Agatha Christie thing, killed somebody else in this house. And we're all going to stay here until we figure out who did it. And, uh, the interesting thing about this show is that Tiffany Haddish is the detective and she's interviewing a different member of the household, different member of the party, every episode. And so every episode is from a different person's perspective, recounting what happened. And so every episode is a different genre is how Lord and Miller decided wow. to do it. So like the, the first episode is uh, Sam Richardson's perspective. And so they do it like a romantic comedy as his recounting of the <laughs> night's events. The second episode is, uh, I forget, but I think it's Ben Schwartz and Ben Schwartz does it like a musical because he wants to be a, a musical artist. Um, which is hilarious because he's the guy from Parks and Rec that you know, the West, you know, he's always been doing that shit. But uh, and then eventually you get to a lot of Glazer's perspective uh, and she does like a psychological thriller because she's, you know, kind of not all mentally there. And it's just really a fascinating idea. And somehow, no matter what genre it is, uh, oh, there's one actor they get and it's an action film. So the whole thing is like a Fast and Furious movie. <laughs> um, so he's like, then I got in my car. And I knew I had to do it for my family. And he like revs the engine. And <laughs> it, it, it's hilarious. And no matter what genre it is, there's a ton of humor in it somehow. Um, I think it's really refreshing. And everything Lord Miller uh, does is absolutely astounding for the most part. So oh, that, I want to throw that out there. That reminds mm-hmm. me uh, I,
1: I, I, I need to add something to my crossing streams that the show actually reminded me of. Okay. Uh, add it. It's a show called, it's on Netflix, it's called Murderville. Did you have
0: you seen this advertised? This was the other thing that I knew you would love. That I said I hadn't seen yet.
1: Oh, so and I
0: have this, seen it. I saw what it was and knew it would totally be your jam.
1: So, listeners, as you know, I'm taking improv class, and this show is basically just a really highly produced improv show. The, it so it stars Will Arnett, who's a uh, a, a crime detective, a police detective. When I say crime detective, he's a police he's detective. A crime detective, you he's know a detective. those crime <laughs> detectives.
0: <laughs> uh he detects nothing but crime yes. He specializes in crime that's why he's so detection. good
1: uh, <laughs> and what they do is they they bring on a celebrity guest and so there's so everyone in the show has a script except for the celebrity guest and i love
0: this premise
1: they they take the celebrity guest around and, and and will arnett's kind of like in character as us it's like detective seattle i think's his name tony seattle something like that and It's just like, well, boss, we're going to go. This is my new partner, and I hate new partner. And it it follows the same beat. So there's the introduction scene where he's like, I don't like having a partner, but you'll do okay, Kameo Nanjiani. Uh, And then they start interviewing all the suspects, and at the end, the person who is the the guest who's who has to kind of take part in the improv, they're the ones that have to solve the crime, and then the police chief comes out and tells them if they're right or wrong. And it's really, really fun because... This is a Netflix thing, right? Yeah, it's, it's so really well every episode's available? Yeah, everything's available. I watched three episodes of it last night. Um, the first three episodes are Conan O'Brien, Marshawn Lynch, and Camille Nanjiani.
0: I saw a extended scene of Camille Nanjiani's appearance on TikTok this morning. That's how I found out about the show. Was it what, the, laughed, the Walk? Yes. <laughs> I laughed so hard, and I just wrote it down like, I got to tell Steve about this. Cause he's going to love it.
1: That, that scene with Camille Nanjiani is the only time so far I've seen Will Arnett break character. Cause you could see him like start laughing yeah, and he has, to turn, he has to turn yeah. away. Cause, Cause they're making Camille Nanjiani say, do a cool walk. And he's like, he keeps instructing him on in how to do a cool walk. And Camille's like, eventually he's like walking like an orc from Lord of the Rings going. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and I love the fact that he broke character because that makes it so endearing. And I'm, yeah. I'm sure I'm not alone in this, but I adore watching, like B-roll and and outtakes of mm-hmm. comedies where people were unable to keep it together, especially while they were improvising. Um, More, I also have always been a huge fan of improv. I don't know why I didn't like join this class with you because do you, do you remember when we were kids? Did you ever watch the show? Whose line is it anyway? Oh, of course. Yeah. I, I was obsessed with show that was show. Great, yeah. Colin mockery, Ryan Stiles, Wayne Brady, baby. Wayne Brady, uh, Wayne <laughs> Brady, bitch. Uh, Anyway, so I love that shit. So I I think this show is going to knock me off my socks.
1: Yeah, Marshawn Lynch so far is the best episode, uh, only because he is the perfect blend of someone who's playing along. But you can tell he's not a professional, um, you know, he's not a professional actor or anything like that. So he's playing along, but he still kind of like stumbles around. And there's a part where he like turns to Will Arnett to talk about the the person they're talking to is like, man, I think he did it. And the the suspect's like, you know, I can hear you run. He's like, man, fuck off. I pretend you can't.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and the guy's so like, okay. He's trying to yes and, but the best he's able to do is okay, sure. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but that, yeah, that, you I'm, talk about endearing, and Marshawn Lynch is like really endearing in that episode. I'm probably going to check this out as soon as we stop recording. But yeah, I wrote that down. And just like that is Steve's jam all the way. Um, And the two other things real quick. So it's not a show, but I'm sure I just wanted to talk about it. Have you been playing Wordle at all, Steve?
1: (laughs) No, I do not play Wordle, but I I have um, many people on Twitter who do.
0: So I just wanted to talk because it kind of took the world by storm, um, mm-hmm. out of nowhere. So it's this, I'm sure if you're listening, you know what it is, but if you don't, it's a game, you go to wordle.com and Google search Wordle or whatever, and click it. It's uh, you can play it once daily, which I think is what keeps it so fresh and addicting. And, um, it's a five letter word. You guess what it is. You have six attempts to guess the word. It tells you which letters are in it, but in the wrong place, which letters are in it in the wrong place and which letters aren't in it at all. And you have six tries. So everybody's trying to guess the word in as few tries as possible. Um, it is infinitely embarrassing if you miss all six. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you would think it's pretty easy to get it in six tries, but I, I got close once. It's my biggest fear is that I will not guess the word in six tries. Uh, but it's Have you gotten it every I time? I have gotten it every time without losing so far. But it's So the game for me is just trying to get it in like three or less. Um, but it's going to happen one day and I will, I will share it to my chagrin. Uh, but, but the, the, the origin of Wordle is kind of endearing to me. Do you know the backstory behind it at all? Yeah, It's like one dude made it. Yeah, He like made it for his wife. I think, oh. um, and I asked if you knew the backstory and I clearly don't, <laughs> <laughs> but I know a little bit about it. He made it for one person and it was just for their enjoyment and he recently sold wordle to the new york times for you know uh, a six or seven figure sum and that's just really cool because he never expected that it wasn't you know he just ha- yeah. people happened to love it and he's like oh shit cool let the wordle, um, wordle guy get that money absolutely and he he released a statement cuz some people were kind of mad like oh no new york times is going to ruin wordle and he's like hey guys I love what you're saying, but it's fucking a lot of money. now. I'm sure that's part of the reason. But he said, you know, I didn't expect this many people to love it, and I'm not really equipped to handle this sort of thing for this many people. So put it in capable hands and hope you keep enjoying it and whatever. I just thought it was a heartwarming story. Somebody just kind of passionately making something quirky and fun for themselves and and getting a lot of success from that. So that it warmed my heart. So I thought I would share that.
1: I mean, it's a good story, and I, 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 I've been, you know, I don't play the game, but I've been enjoying people kind of getting really into it on my Twitter feed. It is kind of funny to see those green and yellow and black boxes show up, and mm, I the do drama
0: I, of those boxes.
1: I do got to put you on blast, though, Chris. Well, I'm not gonna put you on blast. I'm gonna put you in the hot seat. You ready? Mm-hmm. Okay. You ready? Do you cheat in Wordle? You looking up six letter words on I the do internet? Not. You don't. I do not. All right. You promise? It's five letter words. <laughs> This is why I don't play.
0: <laughs> I would just lose immediately. No, I, I honestly don't. And I could see that just gives me no joy. Right? It brings sure. me no joy. So I used to do this thing in video games um, back in the day, especially like Grand Theft Auto, sandbox games. It was really tempting to cheat because you could give yourself like infinite money. Uh, and then that's the whole basis of the game. So now you can buy as many houses and cars and guns as you want. You can skip through the game at your at your leisure. Um, and I would every time I would do that, because as a kid, I couldn't resist the temptation.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: I'd be having a great time playing the game 10 hours a day because I'm a kid. What else am I going to do? Then I would do the cheat code and I would have a glorious couple of hours of just being a god amongst men. And then suddenly I would never want to play the game ever again because now it was ruined. Yeah. Right. So once you you open that can of worms, you can't go back. Did you experience that as well? You know what I'm talking about, though? It's just like. Oh, yeah. This is great, except now it sucks because I'm just this isn't fun at all. That's why I don't play Wordle because
1: I, I open it up and my my instinct is like I don't fucking know what's a what's a five letter word that starts with K. I don't fucking know. And then like so I found myself looking for the like what are five letter words with K. I'm like no this I, this isn't what I'm supposed to do. I'm not doing this. <laughs>
0: So my strategy is, I don't want to fucking talk about fucking Wordle for for 20 minutes. So so my strategy, we're done. Uh, What else I've been streaming is a a show called Pam and Tommy that just dropped on Hulu. I'm sure you've heard about this. Uh, Yeah. I really enjoy this show. So it stars Sebastian Stan as Tommy Lee. Hell yeah. It's got Lily James as Pamela Anderson. Hell yeah. Uh, It's got Seth Rogen as the guy who stole the infamous sex tape, which is what the show's about. And it's got uh, playing Seth Rogan. Yeah, right. <laughs> and it's got Nick Offerman uh playing a a nineties porn movie director, which is hilarious. And he's, Sweet. Got the, he's got the full mullet and everything, and it's it's really funny. Oh yeah. Um but the show's raunchy and funny, but at the same time, what I thought the show was uh worried me because I'm like, okay, you're making a a, a comedy show about the Pamela Anderson and Tommy Lee sex tape being leaked to the public in the nineties. Right. So there are a lot of interesting things you can say about uh, the invention of the internet, the, the, the porn industry, um, uh, celebrities and celebrity status, things like that. But, you know, Pamela Anderson famously got most of the fallout from that Mm -hmm. when she had the least to do with what happened. And so, I was a little concerned about how they were going to handle the subject but i'm like four episodes in now uh however many have been released and it's really starting to to paint the tragedy of what was done to pamela anderson and it's it's painted her as a a really uh endearing gentle-hearted um you know activist-minded person and I didn't expect that and I didn't know her as that, honestly, because I was seven, you know, when she was huge. So uh, anyway, I just thought, wow, I'm really surprised at how deftly they're actually handling this subject, even though it is really raunchy and funny. uh, I'm really impressed so far with where I think it's going. So if you're worried about how they're going to handle the subject and you're kind of staying away from the show for that reason, I think you should probably give it a chance um, just to check it out for that reason. And from a practical effects standpoint, really impressive. Cause I don't know if you've seen stills or anything, but Lily oh, yeah. James does not look anything like Pamela Anderson. And she looks exactly like Pamela Anderson in this show. Yeah. They did and, a great job on makeup with her. Well, they've got like a prosthetic hairline uh, wigs. Obviously they, they used uh prosthetic teeth, I think to not just for the teeth itself, but to push her lip up and make it uh, more of a, her jawline look more like Pamela's. Um, she's it, She is nude for a lot of the show. And Pamela Anderson is famously built a certain way, right? In a busty <laughs> fashion. I'm trying to be like a professional about this shit, Steve. And so they used a prosthetic chest, which I thought was really interesting. Um, and it's Sebastian Stan, the same way, like he looks a lot like Tommy Lee. And Tommy Lee carries himself a very... Far different than the winter soldier does. So I was concerned about that. So he has fake nipples on as well because there's piercings there. I'm just fascinated by how they, they solve these puzzles. You know what I mean? Yeah. I would have thought they would have used a fake ring and just clip it on the real nip. No, you get a fake nip. Apparently that's uncomfortable too, or at least I assume. So, oh yeah, thick nips. I'm oh sure. yeah, <laughs> everything we're talking about sounds super uncomfortable. <laughs> and so Tommy Lee's covered in tattoos, and so they covered Sebastian Stan in similar tattoos, but they are not legally allowed to use the exact tattoo. And I don't know why. That fascinates me. It could be because he's got some type of branding
1: on his. Like I know, I know, famously, there's a guy. You know, let me pull my wrestler knowledge up. But there's a wrestler that I like who has the Pepsi logo tattooed on his arm. That's one of his Why wouldn't tattoos. Um, and if they ever put him in video games or anything like that tattoo. He also has like the Cobra Commander tattoo. Yeah. Like those are just not on him because they don't have the licensing rights to the Pepsi logo or the Cobra Commander.
0: It's probably something like that. He's Maybe. Maybe. I, I feel like they're mostly like tribal tats and stuff, but that's probably the i don't know i just thought are the tattoos copyrighted somehow but that would make sense if it was like a a publicized logo but um stuff like that is really interesting and i didn't know the actual story like when i was a kid you know as i got into a a puberty level age i was just aware that there was this sex tape that existed i had no idea the drama that went into it at all Are, are you familiar at all with this story
1: other than what you've described in the synopsis of the show. that's So that's real quickly, my, yeah. Seth
0: Rogen plays a contractor who who is uh, renovating Tommy Lee's mansion. And Tommy Lee is a super asshole. We drugged out all the time, yelling at him, change this. No, actually, I want it this way. Actually, fuck it, change it back. And then eventually, like, decides he's not going to pay him for any of their work. Actually, you know what? You guys are all fired. Whatever. Right. So he was a dick. And so the contractor and this is all like public knowledge of what really went down so the contractor breaks in his house steals a safe from the mansion and inside is the sex tape amongst many other valuables and so that's how it got out and at the time they're really the internet was brand new this is 1995 so there's this whole episode like episode 3 or so where they're like they're, they they're trying to figure out how to distribute it and it occurs to Seth Rogen's character you know, it's just, I don't know. I don't want to spoil too much, but it, it was so fucking funny to me being a 33 year old and being around for when that kind of mental shift took place. Cause he's literally trying to explain the internet to Nick Offerman. Cause it's not like a popular <laughs> thing yet. It's kind of like, you know, like crypto is now like some people are know about it and some people don't right? or whatever. So mm-hmm. it's just like, what do you mean we can just put it on the web, you know? <laughs> and he's like, yeah, I mean, all around the world, anyone that wants it can just get it and we could mail it to him. They can just order it. And Nick Offerman's like global advertising, Do you know how much fucking money that would cost. And Seth Rogen's like, no, it's free. And like Nick Offerman's like, what? <laughs> and now, and it's funny now it's like, duh. But at the time yeah. it just took me back. People were like, what the fuck are you talking about? It's free to reach anyone in the world. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's just, it was mind blowing. And uh, so, anyway, for that alone, I was like, this is neat, you know? Good times. <laughs> this is neat. Uh, Anywho, so that's called Pam and Tommy. It's now streaming on Hulu. Uh, I think you got to check it out. I think it's really, really good stuff so far. And that is everything that I've been streaming, actually. Matter of fact, hell yeah. That takes us to our main event. What is it called? What are we going to call it? Time loops. Loop, 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 loop. I'm stuck in a time loop, loop, loop. Stuck in a time loop. loop, loop. Can't get it out. Loop, loop. Do loop. I got to solve a crime? Peace. Do I got to make amends? How do I get out of this loop? loop? How do I get out? I love our impromptu jam session. <laughs> Especially when Actually, the local musician Andy isn't on the episode. <laughs> Hey, man, we got to make do. So as promised, we wanted to throw it back to Groundhog's Day and talk about some of our favorite time loop movies. And the whole time loop movie pedigree is actually pretty interesting because it starts out with Groundhog's Day in 1993. We all know the story. Bill Murray's trapped on February 2nd, reliving the same day over and over and over until we can figure out how he got stuck in that loop. And it always creates fun, comedic tension, uh, because no matter what you do, you know, homicide, suicide. Uh, there's no escape from the infinite loop, and so presumably, I think he ends up being. It's been a long time since I've seen the original Groundhog's Day, but he's stuck there for bl- many years, right? So he's oh, able yeah. to he's able to learn multiple languages. He's able to teach himself piano. And and someone
1: did the math on you know how long he'd have to be in in that loop for him to learn all the stuff that he learns, and it's like an astronomical amount it's of
0: decades, time. right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so. It's really interesting to me the things that you can do with that. Uh, and then as time went on, they started branching out. I think 2004 was when Primer came out. It was a an indie, you know, indie film, low budget marvel of a film that dealt with time travel and time loops in a in a really clever way. So you start to get, if you want to get your Christopher Nolan on, you know, a, a time loop is is a good way to to flex those muscles. And so it's always really fun. And uh, I adore those movies. Steve, you find yourself, you're a big sci-fi guy. I assume you're a huge fan of the time loop stuff, right? Yeah, I love time loop movies. Like really
1: anything that kind of explores uh, the relationship of time that characters have. Uh, and that can be done in so many different ways. And the time loop is just one of them. Uh, and it's always, it, it opens up to, like you mentioned, there's some comedic beats that you can play around with that. It could also, you can use really, really dramatic, heartbreaking elements uh, Scenes to, in this format. It's it's really a like, and it's it's a booming um, almost subgenre of sci-fi currently. Because like you said, like it started with Groundhog's Day, and there wasn't really anything like it. But since Primer, especially in the last, I'd say five years, I feel like there's been a just explosion of time loop movies
0: within the last five years. Well, yeah, it's fascinating to me. It's like there's a tipping point. You don't know when when it becomes you're not imitating anymore. It's now a, its own genre, right? So the same thing happened in the late seventies and then early eighties. So I think Halloween was the first, that's my neighbor's dog. You <laughs> bastard. So Halloween was the first slasher, I think, right? It was Halloween that started it all. Yeah. And then it did so astronomically well that you got the, the Friday the 13th films and then you got Freddie. And then all of a sudden there's all these knockoffs trying to do what Halloween did but then at a certain point, you're not, it's not a knockoff. You're just, it's in the slasher genre. Yeah. Right. And it's something I've never thought about before, but it's fascinating to me that those first few unlucky bastards are just copycats. And then eventually <laughs> you get like respectable homage. And then finally it's just its own genre. And then you get uh, scream five, which is just turning the genre on its head. I mean, Scream, really not just five. Yeah, exactly. Um, So, yeah, I, you know, I think it's interesting that the same thing happened with the the time loop movies is at a certain point. It was like, oh, you're just doing Groundhog's Day. And then and then later on, it's oh, this is great. We're doing a time loop genre movie. You know, everybody's all happy to see it like it's a that familiar old chestnut. Um, So, yeah, I've always been a fan. I've got a few favorites doing my research for this episode. I've, I've discovered that I have some huge gaps in my time loop knowledge. Um, so my favorite time loop movie, let's do it this way, just off the top of my head. I think my favorite would have to be Edge of Tomorrow with Tom Cruise and Emily Blunt. Um, uh, I think it's a phenomenal way to to, to use Tom Cruise and, and his own kind of sticky vibe in an action film. Uh, and with the time loop twist of an action film, it's really interesting how you can take normal people and instead of learning piano or Spanish, they are spending the same day for years and years and years fighting these creatures. And so eventually it would look like to the person who's not stuck in the loop, like they were just phenomenal acrobatic warriors because they've done this so many times. They know exactly what's going to happen. And I'm like, wow, that's interesting. So that's, that's my favorite probably at least once a year, sometimes maybe twice. I, I just randomly cannot do anything else. I have to watch edge of tomorrow. It's ironically rewatchable. Um, as far as time loops go, so that's probably my that's, favorite. What is your favorite time loop movie, Steve? That's my favorite as well. It's, is it just um, the best? It's it's so good, uh, and they do such a great job of
1: you know not only showing the loop, and you kind of get familiar with it. and They explain it really well. You don't kind of get lost in the minutia of the storyline. Um, you get to really see there's a lot of character development and growth with Tom Cruise's character, but also you get to see like. That that movie in particular does something really interesting, where you you're on the journey with Tom Cruise's character, who's experiencing the loop, and you know he's getting better and better and better with each time. But you also get the perspective of Emily Blunt's character, who had previously gone through her own loop and is no longer in one. So like she's the only one where Tom Cruise can come up to her and be like, "I'm in a time loop," and she'd be like, "I know what you mean." Yeah, right. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but she Holy just it's the same I saw as Groundhog's
1: Day. day. <laughs> with bill
0: murray oh, i love that movie let's go fight some aliens <laughs> well that's kind of what happens in palm springs is that it at that point is that came out in 2020 everybody was so familiar with the concept that his character at one point in the movie is able to go yeah it's one of those t- infinite time loop kind of things and then you know i think it's Kristen miliotti that's stuck with him and it's like oh okay you know what I mean? So it's just like that movie is so like, you don't even have to like, let's just acknowledge in a meta way that we all know what this is and move on from there. Uh, and so that's the most fascinating thing to me is the, the different ways that people have tried to do the groundhog's day thing. Like that was a straight comedy, somewhat of a rom- romantic comedy, I would guess. Um, but then, you know, Palm Springs tries to do this is the the romantic comedy time loop, happy death day, did a, a sort of a horror film version uh, it's. I mean, it's definitely a slasher, but it, there's so much comedy in it. Uh, I would love to see a straight like a 24 time loop horror movie because oh, that'd be awesome. The premise is actually horrific. You know what I mean? Like you're just stuck in this day that you can't escape for years like that. It would probably be maddening and terrifying. And so I, I would love to see that done. Um, and then, of course, the action film version as edge of tomorrow. But. When I was doing my research, the best time loop movies of all time, there's a couple of huge ones that I had never seen. One of them we've talked about on the show quite a bit. Uh, so we've got the primer. You've got Groundhog's Day, Edge of Tomorrow, Palm Springs, Happy Death Day. Nailed it. We've seen all those. I have never seen 2011's Source Code with oh, Jake Gyllenhaal. That's an amazing movie. That's actually one of my favorite ones too. So
1: you have seen it as really good? Yeah, it's very, very good. Andy and I spoke about this movie briefly um, last week because that was on Andy's Crossing Streams. Uh, he watched it in preparation of this segment, so I'm glad he got to talk about it then. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but no, it's really, really great. Um, they they have that time loop through the lens of somebody who is trying to solve a crime. Essentially, there's like a terrorist attack that blew up on a, a train. And so what they're doing is... They're taking this character, Jake Gyllenhaal, and putting him into a machine that allows him to relive that day through a different person's perspective. And so it's like he's stuck in this time loop, but also not really at the same time. It's it's, it's very sort of voluntary.
0: Like I was reading the premise. It's more of a voluntary time loop, right? Kinda. I don't want to spoil. too I know much there's a it. twist of some sort as well, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. So I I plan on trying to maybe watch that today. I don't know. I got a full docket because I got to watch Murderville, and then <laughs> I, I think I got a I got a little hair up my ass, Steve. I might go. Ooh. I might go watch the new Jackass movie. <laughs> it's got really good reviews, and I mean that was a huge part of my childhood. It might be a hoot. It blows my mind. Yeah. It's been like what, like
1: eleven years since the last since Jackass three. Or 12 yeah. years
0: Blows my mind. Blows yep. my mind. I, I, I'm tempted to do a, a Jackass Forever and Moonfall double feature, but I might be so fucking stupid by the time I get out of there that <laughs> there's no coming back. Oh, man, if, sure. I, if I see Moonfall, I need to see it with you. I know. <laughs> Andy did that to us. That was his I, last we have to thing. See it with
1: Andy, like if I'm seeing that fucking movie, Andy's got to be there. You have to be there. We all have to suffer
0: together. <laughs> he did this to us so source code is one big uh uh, cinematic time loop blind spot but also i have to say uh it's been mentioned on the show before and i still haven't seen it recommended to us time crimes crimes uh this i think it's a spanish film um this movie doing some research about it again like the not to knock the listener like act like i'd never heard it was amazing because he totally told us it was but um it's supposed to be like legendarily good, um so anyway, that's time crimes did you ever watch time crimes yet Steve? I can't remember
1: no Andy's the only one out of all of us who actually watched
0: time crimes, and he said Damn it was it. it was it was good we need we need Andy on the show I know <laughs> he saw the source code he saw the time crimes. It's interesting.
1: I I, just to kind of jog my memory of like the type of films that uh, there are in time crimes. I'm I'm looking through this list of movies, and there's a lot of movies on this like popular time loop movies that I'm like, that's not a time loop. That's just playing with the construct of time, like Interstellar.
0: That's not a time loop. Well, Primer is kind of the same way. Like it's it's only loosely. It's not exactly a Groundhog's Day movie, but it does have a loop in it, and so does. I was going to ask you if you considered Interstellar to be part of this list because. There's some loopy things. It gets loopy. I mean, it's loopy, but it's not a loop. Like he's not reliving the same thing over
1: and over again. He's just experiencing time at a different rate compared to several different characters. Uh, and then the same thing. There's also like the movie About Time. I don't know if you saw that with, uh, shoot, Donald Gleason. And, uh oh, No,
0: that was on the list of, on a YouTube video I watched, but I've actually never seen that. That was I 2013. Think,
1: yeah, I've seen that movie. That's a good movie, but I wouldn't call that a time loop movie. Uh, same with Looper, uh, with, uh, Bruce Willis and, um,
0: yeah, they just threw that in there because it's called Looper. Yeah. Cause it has loop <laughs> in the name. Like that's not a time loop movie. That's just a movie that deals with. There uh, is some what Dr. Who would call timey wimey things in all of these movies. Absolutely. But we're not talking about timey wimey movies. We're talking about time loops specifically.
1: I do want to talk about, so there's a lot of episodes of television or like there'll be a long-running TV series, and they'll have an episode in some form or fashion uh, that deals with a time loop. And I just recently watched one. As you know, I've been watching Star Trek The Next Generation. Yes. And there was an episode in season five. It was episode eight. 18 in season five called cause and effect and they have a time loop. And actually I had a, I had a pretty good discussion with a friend of the show, Phil about this episode. Cause he loved this or I don't know if he loved it, but he thought it was a good episode. And I thought it was a very, very poor example of what a time loop movie should be. Cause essentially the, So we've been talking about how great these other movies are, but I want to kind of point this out as an example of why I thought this wasn't very good in terms of what a time loop is. Uh, So essentially the episode is about the enterprise, you know, the ship that they fly in Star Trek exploding and then it just resets and it resets to maybe, I think like a day or two beforehand. And one of the, and the characters slowly begin to realize like, wait a minute, we've lived through this before. Well, you know, and, and they start picking up on clues like, whoa. Uh, you know, I remember doing this. uh, Oh, the the Enterprise is going to explode. How do we get it to stop exploding? Uh, What do we do? And But they keep exploding over and over and over again. And the reason why I thought it was like not a good example of a time loop movie is they replay the moment of them exploding over and over again, seemingly never getting closer to solving the problem. They seemingly keep keep doing the same fucking thing every time they loop, but maybe like... (gasps) Like literally, there's an example of like, I forget exactly what it is, but if they do this thing, they're going to explode. If they don't do it, they won't. And they literally are at a conference table, like, "Well, if we do this thing, we're going to explode. Why don't we not do it?" And and the one commander is like, well, "Well, who's to say we haven't done this already? We should do that thing." They're like, "Oh, okay, cool." So they just keep doing that fucking thing <laughs> over and over again, like four or five more times after that discussion. And then the the way they solve it is the most. Out of left field, non believable, like, uh, there's like this clue, like the, the number three, the number three is a clue. What does it mean? Oh, I don't know. And then at the last second, Data, who's like the, the android who is basically like a human computer, he looks like before he taps in. Like, are we going to go left or right? Oh, we're going to go right. But before he makes that decision to go right, he looks to he looks over and sees the person who said let's go left has three pips on his collar because the pips on their collar denote rank He's like three. There's three pips. I'm going to listen to that guy. And he turns left. And that's how they solve the problem. And it comes out of fucking nowhere at the end. It's so like unbelievable and unsatisfying. It's X time Lupina. Yeah. He's like three, three pips. Whoa, no. like, no, like maybe if we went back to the conference room scene where it's like, let's not
0: do the thing that we know is going to blow up. How about that? Yeah, you have to have your characters. Here's some ground rules. You have to have your characters know they're in a time loop or that's just frustrating. You have to have them make intelligent decisions based on that. And I think mm-hmm. that's why Happy Death Day was so fun. It's actually one of my top three favorite time loop movies, even though it's a, like kind of a dumb slasher film. They did it in really clever ways. And part of the fun of the time loop movie for me is even though it's the same day over and over, you get to see different aspects of the day. Um, knowing that everything else you've already seen is also simultaneously occurring is fun for me, if that makes any sense. So if they get to a, a like an in, in edge of tomorrow, they do it really well where he kind of has to get farther and farther along without dying. And so you get to see more and more of what's happening. Uh, and in Happy Death Day, she kind of at one point gives up and they almost always do. There's always this montage of where they say, fuck it. And so, you know, you get to see her kind of toying with people. Like she just walks naked around the quad at the college for at one point. And, um, (laughs) you know, she keeps waking up in someone else's dorm room after a night of partying. And, you know, just the different interactions. He's saying the same thing every time. But, you know, at first she's upset that it's happening again. So she's just kind of freaking out. And then eventually she's just having fun with it. Um, so anyway, I think that's, that's the joy of these loop movies for me. Mm-hmm. It's like the, the clever writing twist that you can do. And I just have to say, I know the listeners at home are, are very good friends of ours at this point and very supportive. I'm so sorry about this neighbor's dog. Uh, I would never <laughs> hurt an animal, so I don't really know what recourse I have. I could potentially beat the shit out of my neighbor, I guess, <laughs> but that's also frowned upon legally. So I just have to let it go on. I think
1: I think it's fine. I don't think it's picking up as as bad as you probably think.
0: I don't know. But it's like from a moral standpoint, like I would never just let my dog sit outside barking ad nauseum. Oh,
1: there we go. I think he agrees. <laughs> I agree. Let me in.
0: <laughs> I would never do that. It's really cold yeah, outside. Why did they leave me out here? Yeah. It's not the kind of breed that's like really fond of the cold. Any huzzle? Uh, That's that's why I love time loop movies. But yeah, if I had to beg for any sort of time loop, it would be the the A24 Ari Aster time loop horror film. That's 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 the the last unexplored territory, I think. 100 percent. I would love to see that. 100 percent. 100 percent. We gave it all. (laughs) (laughs) Good game. Good game. Do you have anything else you want to add to the, the time loop discussion for our Groundhog's Day celebration?
1: No, I, I think I think that's it. Uh, well, I do want to say that I, I poked fun at that Star Trek episode, but I should mention that that episode came out actually a long time before Groundhog Day did. So there, so, mm-hmm. it, so it didn't actually – maybe some of the modern uh, kind of expectations I had for time loops didn't exist then because they were kind of pioneering, still pioneering the
0: genre and, and how those type of episodes are structured. So I don't want yeah, to – Yeah, I'm sure it harkens reach. back – to like a Twilight Zone episode, really, right? Yeah. Um, and we should have done more researches to, to the origins because I just kind of haphazardly threw it onto the 1993 with Bill Murray and, and Harold Ramis. Um, that's what everybody. That's that's one everybody. That's the seminal apex of of the time loop, right? Um, but anywho's, next week I imagine we'll be talking about uh, movies with the best depictions of love, wouldn't you think? I know our Patreon is is. Uh, valentine's day focused but uh next week will be we'll be on valentine's, valentine's day, day yeah. that we are releasing the episode so i think we have to do some sort of our our favorite romantic movies am i right something along those lines i think last year we did our
1: favorite on-screen couples did we okay well, yeah something along those lines yeah
0: okay so we'll definitely so okay. we have some there'll be a lot of love there's gonna be a lot of love next there's week. there's gonna be a lot of love next week on streaming things and there's a lot of love that we have for you our dearest listeners thank you so much for supporting us all these years that's about all the time we have this week my name is chris i'm steve and andy is dearly missed happy streaming